Welcome to All Screws Loose, Thoughts Unhinged, a podcast where all of the insanity and intrusive thoughts in my head hit the airwaves. My FBI guy is definitely going to dread me hitting the record button for these weekly episodes. On this show, I give my take on my favorite movies, TV shows, music, especially hard rock and metal, video games, and sports. I am your host, Jose Escamilla, and I hope this podcast reaches an audience who needs a break to clear up the gunk in their heads from the work week and the daily grind. I'd love for you to be my passenger on this insanity roller coaster that is about to take off. I want to thank each and every one of you for your support. It means more to me than you will ever know. I hope we can share a ton of laughs, and I'd love to hear your feedback on the show and its content. If you like the content, please consider subscribing to the show and smashing the like button. Now let's get this show started. What's up? How's everybody doing? Welcome to the first official episode of All Screws Loose, Thoughts Unhinged. Folks, I can't believe that I'm actually making this podcast This is a surreal moment for me. This is something that I've been brewing on for months, months on end. And to actually sit down, make this content, put this thing together, it's just, it's an awesome feeling and I hope the payoff is is how, exactly how I imagined it in my head. I hope that you guys enjoy the content. I hope you guys have as much fun listening and engaging with the show as I've had making this show. So guys, here on All Screws Loose, I want to talk about our favorite movies, TV shows, music, video games, and sports. I want to give you guys my opinion and my take on these things, and then I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. I want you guys to comment, reach out to me via email, uh, tell me if you agree, if you disagree, if you think I'm just completely idiotic, which hopefully probably most of you agree that I am. Um, So without further ado, the first topic that I want to get into, and the title of this week's episode is, what's our favorite Adam Sandler movies? Now, I know there's not an Adam Sandler movie that's going to be nominated or win an Oscar, but when I think of my childhood, when I think of movies, and when I think of just my humor in general, Adam Sandler's at the core of all that. I mean, I grew up watching movies like Big Daddy, Little Nicky, The Water Boy, uh, Billy Madison, Mr. Deeds. Uh, the list goes on and on, and it's just continued in my adulthood. Now, I do have to say I am guilty of not really keeping up with a lot of his newer Netflix Netflix movies. Uh, although now that I am a dad, I can't tell you how many times I've watched Hotel Transylvania, and he does do a pretty good job at playing Dracula. And he plays Dracula with such an Adam Sandler-style voice. The Adam Sandler that we pretty much get in every movie. You know, the, I do not say, blah, blah, blah. You know, he doesn't ever really have this disguised voice for any of his roles. It's always kind of the same goofy voice that we know is Adam Sandler. But for some reason to me, I just find it hilarious when he does it. Uh, Just shows you how big of an Adam Sandler fanboy I am. So... If somehow the Sandman was were to ever listen to this episode of the podcast, he, I am just a huge Adam Sandler fan, which usually either I find that people are just as big Adam Sandler fans as me, or they hate Adam Sandler, which 
I kind of judge my friendships based on how you react to my love for Adam Sandler. You know, people are like, well, I hate Adam Sandler. And I'm like, man, I don't know if we can really be friends anymore. Like, please don't send me your friend request because I might sit on that for three or four days before I decline it. But anyways, so let's go ahead and get into our first Adam Sandler movie that I want to talk about. This, This movie is probably the first movie... The first Adam Sandler movie that I remember watching. Um, this movie came out in 1999, so that puts me somewhere like four or five years old. Kind of some of the scenes in the movie when I watch them now, I'm like, Ooh, what business did I have watching this as a five year old? But when I when I go through the rest of this list, I had no business watching some of those movies when I was six or seven. So what the hell, you know? Mom and Dad did a great job. Thank you for letting me watch those movies. They shaped and defined your idiotic son. So it works out in the long run for, for everybody. Uh, but the movie, the first movie is Big Daddy. Now this movie, there's just so much from this movie as far as quotes and scenes and little gestures that I still use today. Uh, it's kind of sad to say and admit, but my parenting style kind of comes from how Adam Sandler's a dad in this movie. You know, the putting the th- uh, the newspaper on the throw-up, the yelling at the kid, you know, when he's all hopped out. You know, you were normal yesterday. Jeez. Oh, I can, I can relate so much to that. And even before I had my kid, you know, sometimes it's what I would tell my tell my wife, you know, jeez, you were normal yesterday. Um, and, you know, how he treats his roommate's fiance Corinne, in the movie. You know, she's a medical doctor now, but back in the day when they were all still in school together, when Adam Sandler's character, Sonny, was in law school, I guess she was working at Hooters to put herself through school, and he never lets her live it down. So she's giving him shit. She's talking, talking shit to him, and she hits him with these lights, and he just, Hooters, 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 as she's walking away. And it's just stuff like that that's just, just cracks me up but like that's Adam Sandler that is the epitome of what Adam Sandler is in my brain and you know to this day between me and my wife anytime if we ask one another a question and we answer it with I am we automatically our brain goes to the scene in Big Daddy when he goes to his girlfriend's house or her apartment and he finds this old man in the bathroom and at first he's he thinks you know, the door's closed, so he thinks someone's in the bathroom and that she's cheating on him. So when he meets the old man, he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I thought you were sleeping with my girl. And the old man's all, I am. And so anytime that she asks me a question, you know, or I ask her a question and it, the answer is, I am. It's always, almost immediately always followed with, I am. I am sleeping with your girl. Then that takes us into when he's leaving and he's he's trying to give give her uh, Vanessa uh, the final piece of his mind you know you're gonna be missing me when you got that old man on you you know and his loose skin and old balls gross and <laughs> you kind of don't you don't you don't really know that Julian the kid is really paying attention until the end of the movie when they see them again and he asks, is that the guy with the old balls but let's let's get to the Probably what I think is the funniest character and most quotable character in the entire movie is uh, I think his name is Natsu the Natsu the uh, the delivery guy. He's played by Rob Schneider, uh, and he's 
he delivers him food and he's always ends up, you know, chilling with him in his apartment while he's supposed to be making deliveries. But he has some of the most, the funniest lines in the entire movie. Uh, like when they're practicing reading and, um, and he's reading the little short words. And then when he finally gets to, you know, hippopotamus, he, he, he pop, he pop on him. You know, everyone knows that line. Damn you. You give him all the easy ones. Uh, but I think the best, the best scene with him is the courtroom scene at the, towards the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> actually, quote that all the time with with uh with my wife and of course other people who know adam sandler movies about as good as i do uh you know he's on the stand and sonny adam sandler's characters friends are his also his attorneys and they're asking him you know how how good do you think those two together are you know sonny and and the kid um and he's like you know he tells them Oh, they're good. They go together like lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> and so the guy looks at him and he's like, lamb and tuna fish. And, you know, Rob Schneider, you know, like, well, but maybe you prefer spaghetti meatball. And so it starts this whole debacle. And Steve Buscemi in the back, his he plays a homeless guy in the movie and he's in the audience of the courtroom. And... Um, he just blurts out, yes, considering we live in America. And so it starts a whole argument between uh, <laughs> between Rob Schneider's character and Steve Buscemi's. Now, there's also another good part uh, talking about uh, the delivery guy. So when Sonny gets, gets in trouble and he gets the kid taken away by social services because they find out that he's impersonating the kid's actual father, who's Sonny's roommate, uh, the social services guy comes to the apartment to take the kid away. Well, guess who's in the apartment with Sonny while he's on shift for deliveries? It's not so the delivery guy. And so he, the guy from social services, he, he's a heavy set guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a big dude. And so the scene's pretty tense. You know, Sonny's in trouble. He could, he could end up getting arrested in this scene if it goes, goes south. Well, not so <laughs> he just sees that the guy the big the big guy is in the doorway and he comes over in the middle of this this uh harsh conversation between Sonny and this guy he's yeah I know you yeah I, I make deliveries to you you always order three pieces of cheesecake <laughs> and the guy just gives him the biggest side eye and he's like really I really appreciate you calling me a fat ass in the middle of this I really appreciate that one you know one quote that I use at Christmas time, so at the end of the movie, I think they're celebrating uh, Adam Sandler's birthday at a Hooters. I think it's his birthday or some. They're celebrating something, but I'm pretty sure it's his birthday. And <laughs> not so gives him a present, and it's in a plastic bag. And he's like, "Here, here's your present." And he tells him, "I got you a clock radio." <laughs> so Adam Sandler is like, "Hey, thanks. I, I appreciate it." So me. Me, I'm a terrible gift giver. If I'm going to get you a gift, I usually will buy it ahead of time. But I want to tell you what it is. I, I hate I hate waiting. And Danny's the same way. So anytime that, you know, during, especially during Christmas time, uh, when we buy our, each other our gifts, you know, we want to tell each other what it is. Well, we almost always end up telling you, I, I got you a clock radio. And uh, actually, my brother-in-law, James, he... <laughs> 
he does the same thing too. And I'm pretty sure that one of these days he's going to end up getting me a clock radio just so he can say that for, for Christmas or my birthday or just any random day so he could say that I got you a clock radio. So one of the final things that I'll talk about this movie is the relationship that uh, the kid Julian and Sonny have and how Sonny kind of initially when he gets him, he doesn't want to be an overbearing parent. So he kind of lets the kid, he lets the kid pick his own name, pick what he wants to wear, let him, tries to let him make his own decisions. But ultimately we, as we find out that kind of backfires and the kid gets so much freedom, he doesn't want to be told what to do, which kind of reminds me of what the hell's going on in, in my life right now. You know, my two year old, I always felt like, you know, I'm a pretty easygoing parent. Well, now he's fighting back. Anyways, Probably the reason why you don't want to raise your kids like Sonny Koufax raises his kid. That is a note to everybody. If you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you plan to have kids, don't raise your kid like that because they turn out to be little shits. Just kidding. My kid's not a little shit. Love him. Uh, but let's get back to it. So he lets first he lets him pick his name Frankenstein. You know, okay, cool, Frankenstein. And then later on there's this little like mashed up scene and <laughs> he picks he picks his outfit for the day and I mean, it's it's pretty pretty damn atrocious I mean the shirt underwear over the pants I think a a fucking spaghetti strainer for a hat uh, it looks like something from the movie signs uh and Adam Salem looks at the kid and he tells him yeah you know good luck walking down the street but yeah let's go uh so I mean it in the best way possible I never you know, I never tell my wife that she anything she has is bad, but I always have to make a joke. Um, so we'll be out shopping or she'll buy something new. She'll ask me, what do you think about this, babe? How does it look? Almost every single time. I cannot help it. I have to say it. And she looks fantastic. It looks great. But I have to always tell her. Yeah, yeah. Good luck walking down the street with that. But yeah. So I always get the go to hell look. Um so I'm afraid that sometimes she thinks that ah, I shouldn't wear that because, you know, I'm going to walk down the street and people are going to look at me like I'm wearing a spaghetti noodle strainer on my head. Uh, so Big Daddy cracks the top five uh, as number five. Now, as I go through the rest of this list, obviously, we're not going to go. We're not going to immediately go through four through one. Uh, I'm going to give my my honorable mentions, you know, movies that that I love, but to me, just don't make the top five. Uh, probably should have done this section before I introduced Big Daddy as number five, but you know, this is my first episode and I've learned how to do shit, so cut me some slack. Um, so let's start with Mr. Deeds. Love it, obviously. Good movie. Uh, solid. It just doesn't crack the top five for me, uh, but Mr. Deeds, how cool would it be? to have the Blackfoot, you know, it's frostbitten, can't feel a thing. He meets his butler and he tells him to whack it with the, uh, with the, uh, the poker. And then he eventually, as he's whacking, he's like, I can't feel it. I can't feel it. You know, whack that thing, chop that wood. And, uh, he ends up stabbing that foot and he psychs him out. He starts screaming like, Oh, you're sick. How could you do that? He's like, no, I'm just kidding. I don't feel it. While he has this huge metal rod in his foot, <laughs> I'd some that's some shit that I would do, you know. Uh, Mr. Deeds, uh, Fountain of Hawaiian Punch, 
how fucking cool would that be to have a fountain of Hawaiian punch or your favorite drink in your in your house or penthouse apartment? Uh, lastly, getting an inheritance of forty billion dollars, you know, and then not even using it on yourself, well, losing it because it's not rightfully his. We find out, but he does get awarded a billion dollars, and then using that money to buy everyone in his small town. Uh, I think it's, is it a Corvette or Ferrari? They're all red, nice cars. And of course <laughs> that doesn't really backfire on him. But one of his, one of his residents who's played by Steve Buscemi, crazy eyes, um, <laughs> obviously with a name like crazy eyes and two eyes that go in opposite directions, doesn't need to be behind the wheel, ends up crashing it like right into a tree. You know, right after he says, damn, these babies are fast. Push. You know, that's probably some shit that might happen to me, uh, you know. So hopefully if I'm ever cast for a movie, you know, I wouldn't want to be the main main character. I want to be, you know, the goofy resident, you know, crazy eyes who puts uh, <laughs> Oreos and gumballs on his pizza. But uh, let's get to our next honorable mention. Uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. This movie, I felt like this movie was so pushed on me, but I loved it. Uh, like it was like a summer between seventh or eighth grade or eighth and ninth, whatever. It was just always on stars at my parents' house. And so I was, I felt like I was always watching it. And, uh, I guess it's not pushed on me if I land on it and then don't change it for an hour and a half. I guess that's just my decision. So, uh, but goofy is hell movie, but pretty, pretty funny. And uh, I think it's a good one, you know. He's a uh, he's an Israeli counter terrorist, uh, the Zohan, and uh, comes to America. Uh, and he meets, I guess, some of his people, uh, some of his I shouldn't say people, some of his friends from from Israel. And uh, when he gets to America, he meets up with them, and of course, uh, pretty stereotypical. But Adam Sandler did it, not me. Uh, <laughs> uh, they they're all work at a electronics store and it's called going out of business. Uh, one of my favorite parts from that is, you know, one of the Israeli guys is working at the store and he's trying to sell, he's selling someone uh, a cheap ass flip phone. And, uh, you know, he opens the phone, he's trying to sell it. And once the audio cuts to him, he's all, you know, here's the phone. And if you press this button, free HBO, I own, I've owned a couple of, uh, shitty flip phones myself and always wondered which of these buttons is the uh, free HBO button. Still never found it, damn it. And you could call me an uncultured swine, but up until I saw this movie, I had no idea what hummus was. No idea. Uh, and quite literally, I agree with how they explain it in the movie when they ask, well, what the hell is hummus? It's a... Uh, good delicious diarrhea like substance uh that's kind of how i envision it but it's good it is good i mean i love hummus almost they kind of portray it accurately too you know uh they put they're putting hummus on everything you know the dad when he's eating hummus for dinner you know he puts it in his drink his coffee uh he, he gets a dollop of hummus with his with his glasses and eats it off his glasses now this this movie uh, is another one where I think Rob Schneider's character, even though he's a minor character, uh, 
shines. Uh, I love it. I love him. You know, he's this uh, taxi driver in New York City, and he he's Palestinian, so he hates the Zohan. He you know him and the Israelis are they're always feuding, so he hates he hates uh, the Zohan. So I guess he's an antagonist in this movie up until the end, of course. Uh, but he's just this bitter taxi driver who pays no attention to his his customers who are in the back of the car. And uh, so he's got these two old ladies in the scene. He's got these two old ladies that are in the in the in the back seat, and uh, he's listening to some kind of music, Middle Eastern music. And one of the Karens asks him, "You know, can you at least turn the turn the radio station?" And he changes it, same genre, just a different song. <laughs> so when they finally get out of the car, he's too busy talking on his cell phone to somebody else. Hopefully that cell phone got him free HBO. Uh, so when he finally comes to and realizes she's talking to him, he uh, she asks him, you know, can we get the receipt? He doesn't even look at her, gives her the receipt. Yes, burn in hell. <laughs> and as this episode is going on, I'm kind of figuring out, maybe I'm going to have to do a a ranking of Rob Schneider movies. I mean, because he, he has some pretty solid movies, and he does crack me up too. Uh you know, maybe that'll be one of the episodes. You guys let me know, you know. Comment comment on the Facebook page or email me. Say, hey, yeah, I think a Rob Schneider movie, a Rob Schneider movies episode would be good. Or, or hell no, Rob Schneider sucks. You know, let me know, guys. Moving on to the next movie. Uh, I don't think this one comes close to the top five, but it's a good one. I think everyone kind of loves this movie. Fifty First Dates. Um, so he falls in love with Drew Barrymore's character. Uh, which, who wouldn't? I mean, come on, it's Drew Barrymore. Say what you will, Drew Barrymore, love her. Uh, but she's got, uh, she was in an accident, so she's got short-term memory loss, and he doesn't find out until afterwards. So basically, he's got to make her fall in love all over again every day, and he tries and tries and eventually succeeds. So, I mean, Chivalry may have died with this movie, because I got to tell you, if I had to put forth that kind of effort every day to make a make her fall in love with me, I'm not sure I'm doing it. I don't know. You know, Danny, if you made it this far into this episode, hopefully you don't take that too much to heart. <laughs> now the next movie I could almost put into the top five. Click is a click is a solid movie. I, I think it's great. Um kinda has some range too. You know, it's not just funny, but it almost kinda, it almost Pull some heartstrings there. It almost makes you cry a little bit. Uh, but Click, a solid movie. I mean, what would you do if you had access to a remote that could give you the ability to, to pause, uh, fast forward, rewind in life? You know, I think that's something that sometimes everyone kind of wishes they could do. You know, I uh, wish I could just pause this moment right now or let me pause and change how I would react, you know, blah, blah, blah. But as good as that sounds, this movie does a really good job of showing us the consequences of that. Uh, so the, the remote is, I guess, probably the world's first smart remote. Uh, it gains memory. And so every fight they have, uh, it's a custom that, or every sick, every time he's sick, it's a custom that, you know, he wants to fast forward through that. So every time that that happens, the remote fast forwards him, uh, up until either the fight's resolved or he's not sick anymore. So imagine, <laughs> what if it's 
the fight of all fights, and it, uh, it doesn't get resolved until uh, you two get divorced. Well, the the, the remote is going to fast forward you to the divorce, which could be years, which is what kind of what happens in the movie. But I think all of us would agree that we would love to have access to pause our boss in the middle of conversation and do what what Sandler does here. Uh, <laughs> pauses it, slaps the shit out of him a few times, and then play again. And in the middle of the sentence, you know, David Hasselhoff, his boss, wow, I just got a big headache. Oh, really? Why? And then pause again and then just like rips ass right in his face and I'm not saying that, you know, everyone's going to rip ass in their boss's face. Hey, hey if that's what you want to do, I hope I'm not your boss, but uh, go ahead. Um, but I think everyone would love the opportunity to be able to pause and just, you know, hit slap their boss, you know. I know I would. So moving on to our next our next honorable mention, uh, it's an animated movie that I find not a lot of people have seen, uh, but Eight Crazy Nights uh, it's a solid movie. Uh, it's a Christmas movie, more specifically a movie about Hanukkah, because, you know, Sandler's, he's he's Jewish, so he celebrates Hanukkah. Um, but it, it's, it's a funny movie. It's solid. Uh, the little character, Whitey, the old man, who is actually voiced by Adam Sandler. This is one of those movies where Adam, he does the voice of several characters in the movie. Uh but Whitey is kind of like that elderly mentor for him because he's an alcoholic drunk in this. After losing his parents, he became a drunk and you know gets in trouble. And Whitey kind of steps in to try to give him a second chance because uh, Davy, the main character, is is on the verge of going to uh, going to prison. Um, so he steps in, but he's got this voice, you know. Once again, just of only. A voice that only Sandler could really create. And, you know, you know, that's a technical foul. You know, that voice. Which is a voice that just kind of matches the character. I mean, he's this short, probably three and a half to four foot old man who lives with his twin sister. Uh, he's got a size, like, two feet that are different sizes. I think one's a size nine and one's a size 11. Uh, he's built like a gorilla. Uh, as in that he's got hair all over the place. He's just this goofy-ass old white man with this goofy-ass voice that we all love, you know. Who wouldn't love? Who wouldn't love a two different shoe-size, hairy, elderly mentor old man? So moving right into our next honorable mention is anger management, um, which Sandler, I mean, he lands Jack Nicholson. You know, Jack Nicholson's one of greatest actors, you know, in the history of film. Uh, and he's hilarious in this movie. Um, so Adam Sandler's character, uh, has an outburst on a plane, um, and he gets put in an anger management program that is run by, uh, Jack Nicholson's character. Uh, so Jack Nicholson keeps him in the program, recommends that he stays with it and assigns him an, an anger ally, uh, which is a guy named Chuck who's played by John Turturro and Chuck <laughs> Chuck is just an angry angry dude and uh John has actually played in a few of of uh, Sandler's movies you know he was in Mr. Deeds uh he was the butler who took care of Deeds's uncle now Deeds who actually was the 
rightful owner of the $40 billion. Um, and then you see him, you see him again in, uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. He plays uh, phantom. Who's the Palestinian, um, I guess they would probably label him a, a terrorist in that movie, depending on which point of view you take, but we will get into that. Uh, so anyways, Chuck, the anger ally, uh, he's <laughs> obviously in anger management for a reason. So when, when, uh, he's assigned as, uh, Dave's anger ally, he hands him a napkin and he's like, here, take my number. And so Adam Sandler reads the napkin thinking he's going to read his number. And he's like, uh, you're going to die, bitch. And he, he yanks the napkin away from, oh, sorry. That's, that's just a little letter I write for my dad. <laughs> so later he goes to, uh, Sandler's apartment and he's ringing his buzzer and, uh, he's talking to him through the buzzer you know he's telling him how he needs his anger ally because he's in a really bad way dave i'm in a really bad way i got fired from my ice cream job no more fudgicles uh so uh adam sandler ends up you know going with him to a bar which taking two angry people to a bar uh, i guess shows it's not the the best decision to make because they get into a big bar fight over Pretty much nothing because Chuck Chuck's sitting at the sitting at a table with him and he he's like, Did you see that Dave? That guy sitting at the bar just gave me a look, which didn't even look at him and that's what he tells him. He's like, Hey, no, Chuck, he didn't he didn't look at you. I didn't see it. So he goes up to him and, and he's this bald guy. You know, what's the matter with you? You got a you got a problem with guys with hair? Slaps him on his bald head. The fight ensues and Dave gets in trouble again because he is getting attacked by an old man with a who's blind and he's hitting him with his cane and he's trying he's not really fighting anyone but he's trying to get chuck off this guy but he starts getting beat by this cane by this by this old man old blind man so he's trying to yank the cane away and ends up whacking the waitress's waitress in the nose with it lands him back in court gets him instead of going to prison he ends up uh getting more anger management. Uh, so, uh, Adam Sandler, maybe, maybe his movies are the reason why I had a false impression of what the criminal justice system was. That's not how court works. You know, that's, that's just not what happens. You know, you don't, you don't get to, uh, break a flight attendant's arm, break a, break the nose of a waitress and then get more anger management. Uh, (laughs) maybe that's why it didn't work out for me. Maybe when I was working the career field, if I'd have just given more people anger allies, maybe it'd, uh, maybe I'd have been happier and I would have stayed in it. <laughs> no, but getting back to getting back to anger management, the movie, uh, a solid movie, love it. Just still not in the top five, um, but uh, you know, stuff from that movie sticks with you. Uh, you know, goose fraba. Have you ever actually been been angry and you actually try to say goose fraba? I don't really know if it works. Uh, maybe I, it's like a placebo effect and, and it works for me just because I think, you know, Adam Sandler, you know, his movies, it works. So it obviously works in real life. Now, uh, Fraba, uh, of course the, uh, West side story scene, you know, when, when they're on the bridge, so Dave's late to work and, uh, he's on the, he's on the bridge to try to get to work. And this is once again in New York city. So he, the traffic is bad. And he's flustered and angry, and he tells Jack Nicholson, you know, I'm flustered. So he yanks on the emergency brake, and they stop and cause a cause a huge traffic jam on, I think it's the Brooklyn Bridge. 
and anyways, so while they're the cause of this traffic jam and everyone's pissed off and honking behind them, he takes the keys out of out of his car and he hands him this packet and he makes him sing, you know, I feel pretty and uh, to calm him down. So while he's already late. So he's singing, you know, I feel pretty, so pretty, witty. And he pauses, he's and gay. <laughs> so <laughs> he's singing and he's Jack Nicholson's trying to get him to actually buy into it. And so he gets him to start over and he's trying to give the intro. You know, bum, bum, bum. So he starts singing. And after he gets through that first chorus, or verse, whichever one it is, you know, Jack Nicholson come in, comes in very strong. La, 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 la. So then they could tease the song, and all the while people are driving by, you know, burning hell. <laughs> you could just see on Sandler's face that he's like, I just want to get this shit done so I can get to work. Uh, but it seems like, it seems like that, that just kind of, that are throughout the movie that make it funny. Uh, but still not in my top five. Uh, so let's go on to the next uh, honorable mention. I'm going to put grown-ups on here. Uh, I don't know if I'm in the minority or the majority or what. I just, grown-ups is funny. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just not, it's not one of my favorites. Actually, it's probably one of the few Adam Sandler movies that I've only watched maybe less than three or four times. Uh, actually, and I've never even seen the second one. But, it, I mean, it is still good. Uh, so I still do put it as an honorable mention. Um, I think people might boycott me if I don't put it on here because most of the people I talk to, you know, they, they love grown-ups. Um, one of the cool things is, and I like Kevin James. I think he's he's pretty, he's funny, he's solid. But I would like, I'm interested, I would have loved to have seen, you know, Chris Farley had he not died in that role, which maybe would have made it funnier to me. I don't know. But Grown Ups makes the honorable mentions. Doesn't makes the uh, doesn't make the top five. Um, another movie that I didn't watch until years after it came out is Just Go with It. I actually really love that movie. Um, and let's kind of notice the pattern here. I think everyone knows this, but Adam Sandler, stroke a genius, my man. He always seems to find himself on the winning end of being with beautiful women. You know, in every movie he's in, it's like every woman he's with is just drop-dead gorgeous. You know, I don't know if he does it on purpose or who's in charge of picking the the, the females in his movies that he's romantically uh, involved with. But whoever it is, if it's him, hey, good job. And then, you know, you got to also, his wife is in every movie too. Or maybe not every movie, but, you know, she's in several of his movies. Um, like, I think she's in Just Go With It. Yeah, she's in the beginning of Just Go With It. Um, and he, you know, he's romantically involved with Jennifer Aniston. Uh, and then uh, Brooklyn Decker, uh, who he's he's with Brooklyn first as Palmer. You know, he's with her first and then gets with Jennifer Aniston in the end. Hey, I haven't seen the movie. Spoiler alert. That's what happens. Sorry. Um, but just go with it. Uh, underrated underrated movie for me. I think it's it's pretty funny. Uh, I feel like that's one of the movies he doesn't really play a character. He's kind of almost like himself. You know, when he's making fun of uh, 
Jennifer Aniston going to lunch with, uh, I think it's the delivery guy or someone, someone else, uh, and he's got this little goatee, and he's like, you, you know, the beard, and she's like, what beard? So then at the movie, at the end of the movie, you know, the the beard is, uh, <laughs> it's dancing in the wind. <laughs> They're doing the little finger thing, and, you, uh, and then when uh, he's out on a date with Jennifer Aniston, and they run into, I think her character's old college roommate named Devlin who's played by Nicole Kidman she's uh, married to Dave Matthews which that's another connection with Sandler and all of his movies uh, Dave Matthews I think his music is always not maybe not always but often in the movie and Dave Matthews has a few cameos in, in his movies one of my probably my favorite Dave Matthews cameo in uh, in one of his movies is in Zohan he's playing He's playing the leader of these rednecks who are supposed to who's part, who's supposed to destroy the shops of the Palestinians and the, or the Israelis. It's supposed to basically pin them against each other uh, for this de- rich developer who's played by Michael Buffer, the uh, the boxing announcer. You know who's ready to rumble? That guy. Um, anyways, Dave Matthews plays the redneck leader. And uh, he's talking with uh, Michael Buffer on the phone, and he's like, "You know, I think we could pencil you in. You know, we're supposed to uh, we're supposed to sabotage a Martin Luther King parade that weekend, but I think we can we can move that." And Michael Buffer tells him, "Well, I don't know how you can move a parade, but okay, <laughs> that's easy. Phone call. That's all you need." Uh, but so Dave Matthews and Nicole Kidman, I mean, they play. The couple, they're a couple in that movie, and they're, and they're just such a cringe couple. They're one of those couples that do exist that you don't want to be at dinner with. Uh, but uh, I love when they first meet, and uh, Dave Matthews says that he claims that he's the guy who invented the iPhone. And so Adam Sandler does the most Adam Sandler thing, and he's like, yeah, yeah I, I invented something too. I invented the uh, the barking hen, and then he throws his head in his face, you know, with the uh, kind of like a barking hen, and I just got to everyone gasps, and I don't know that to me that that's funny is that's funny as hell. Like I love to incorporate that in a conversation. So, like if me and Dan are doing something, and oh, you know, randomly, but did you hear that? She's like, hear what? I was like, hey, is Max? You know, our dog is like, is he is he inside or outside? And, She's like, no, what the hell? What are you talking about? You know, she's so easy to kind of freak out. And I'm like, did you hear him barking? She's like, no, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it rrr, rrr, with my hand. And she's got you. It always just kind of get her. Uh, but so, yeah, just go with it. So the last honorable mention Sandler movie that I'll get into before I get into the rest of the top five is The Longest Yard. Fucking love this movie. Solid movie, and for the longest time, I didn't know it was a it was a remake. I didn't know that was the original Longest Yard for a long time. Um, but uh, Adam Sandler's version, I love it. There's there's just you could really go on. Hell, I think you could have an episode about the Longest Yard. Um, but still, don't put in the top five. But it's right there before we get into the top five. Uh, Love, love, love Joey Diaz, and I love his character in this movie. You know, uh, <laughs> so I don't know who makes the the quote, who quotes it more, me or Danny. But the 
the can of corn, you know, when they're playing, when they finally get to the game and they're playing the guards and Joey Diaz, he's going to, he's going to catch uh, one of the kickoffs. Well, he does the fair catch, you know, to give himself up. Well, he catches it and he ends up getting smoked anyways. And they're trying to pick his, they're trying to pick his big ass up. <laughs> his helmet's off and his head's kind of sinking into the shoulder pads. Can of corn, can of corn, I'll be all right. Can of corn. <laughs> so unfortunately we go through a lot of corn in this house. And so, Anytime we're at the store, you know, can of corn, can of corn. Uh, so if you ever see me at the store and I'm buying corn, just know that's probably what I said, uh, picking it up. Uh, so Joey Diaz's character, um, you know, that uh, when they're doing drills and and uh, they're kind of grading everyone based on how fast they're running and they get to the list and he's like, hey, aren't we missing someone? And Joey Diaz is land he's on the ground you know you assholes better not cut me uh and his big his huge belly is sticking it's just sticking all the way out and, and you can see it move with every time he he said something you know it's just it's in sync with him and unfortunately that's kind of what i feel like sometimes if i'm at the gym and i'm and i'm laying down or something i'm like oh my god they probably think i'm the kansas state guy from from the longest yard you know but if you think about so think about the cast from the longest yard. I mean that is a cast. That is a superstar cast. Cause and then he used uh, how many wrestlers? How many old you know WWE wrestlers? Uh, you have Kevin Nash, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Bill Goldberg. Um, gosh, I know I'm missing one. Uh, the Great Khali. Um, so there's four four wrestlers there. Um, and then you have guys, you know, pro football guys. I mean, Michael Irvin, uh, Nelly was in the movie, Terry Crews. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a superstar. Burt Reynolds. I mean, that's a superstar cast, and um, it's just amazing how Sandler he can he has so much influence. You know that these people buy into these roles in his movies, and and they do them. And I don't mean to shit on Chris Rock and leave him off of that, but Chris Rock is. He, I guess he's kind of in the circle of actors who, you know, Sandler brings back. Because think, think about all the people that, you know, he uses regularly in all of his movies. I mean, David Spade is one. Uh, we've already talked about Chris Farley. I mean, had he had he not passed away, I think Chris Farley is in almost every one of his movies. I mean, because the guy was a comedy genius and he's genuinely fucking hilarious. And the, and the list goes on and on, you know, guys, I don't want to go down a list, you know, everyone who's always recurring in his movie roles, because I, mean, I can go on forever about that. But, but everyone's aware that, you know, kind of his group and his friends generally are always in these movies. But back to Chris Rock in this movie, I mean, him playing caretaker. Uh, I mean, Chris Rock to me is funny, but he's got one of the best little one-liners in the movie. You know, he's talking to the old man. Uh you know, shut your mouth before I slit your throat and watch the dust come out. You know, how many times have we said that in our head? Hopefully not, you know, to an old person, to their face. But I can't tell you how many times I deal with, you know, an older person at work, you know. And, and it's just like they get on my damn, someone gets on my damn nerves. And that's what I want to tell them. So in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shut your mouth before I slit your throat and watch the dust come out. You know, then you have Terry Crews as Cheeseburger Eddie. <laughs> who is the plug in in this prison uh, with McDonald's? You know he gets uh, 
he can get all of McDonald's food uh, to all the prisoners because everyone knows what he's got. He's got the fries that'll cross your eyes. He's got the shakes that'll make you quake. But the burgers, though, he just got burgers. But uh, but Cheeseburger Eddie, he can be referred to as one other thing. That's a big-ass robot. You know what Michael Irvin calls uh, Sandler a, uh, a baby back bitch. You know, he goes, a baby back bitch. Baby back bitch. <laughs> Chris Rockland, that's a big-ass robot. <laughs> But let's go ahead, let's move on, and let's uh, let's get into the the rest of the top five. So coming in at number four, I'm going to have to go with Billy Madison. Billy Madison being Sandler's fourth best movie. And I think the rest of four through one, they're all movies that come during that kind of golden era of Sandler. You know, 94. The mid mid nineties through the early two thousand, the very early two thousands. I mean, that's just to me. That's when he put out the best his best work. Um, really, don't really find a bad movie that comes out in that time. I mean, maybe the mid to late two thousands when we start getting movies that it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's Adam Sandler, so I'll support it, but it's not that good. Not during this time. This time, I mean, he was putting out just straight bangers left and right. Uh, but when we talk about Billy Madison, Billy Madison has one of my favorite characters in all of his movies. So if if I had to pick one character from any Adam Sandler movie as my favorite, easily I could pick Chris Farley as the bus driver. Uh, just a hilarious character. And actually, so my wife, for her 30th birthday this year, sorry, babe, I didn't mean to tell your age. Hey, you're, gonna, you're the one that's going to put on the invitation. Uh, uh, but anyways, it's actually her idea. So for her 30th birthday party this December, uh, we want to do a come dressed as your favorite Adam Sandler character, uh, theme party. So like, it doesn't have to just be like, you don't have to come as a character Adam Sandler's played. Just come with a character that is in one of his movies. Well, I'm going to see if I could get my hand on some blue coveralls and come as, <laughs> uh, go as Chris Farley uh, Chris Farley's bus driver, because uh, <laughs> because that character, I mean, he's just he's hilarious. He's um, he's so angry. He's so he's so over kids, which I, I get. You know, think about it. You know, think everyone knows the scene. You know, everybody on good, great, grand, no yelling on the bus. Which understandably, he's upset because he's trying he's trying to talk about you know the teacher Ms. Vaughn Veronica Vaughn. Uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, first, <laughs> first as she's walking up the steps to the bus, you know, he tries to take a peek under her dress. And he's trying to talk to uh, Billy. He's like, that Veronica Vaughn is one piece of ace, dude. And he's trying to kind of lie to him, tell him, like, yeah, I hit that, you know, I know from experience. And so when he calls him out, he's like, no, you didn't. And he's like, yeah, maybe not me personally, but a friend of mine, him and her, got it on. And then when Billy tells him, no, they didn't, he tries to kind of save it. He's like, yeah, but could you imagine what it would have been like if, if they did, huh? huh? And he still shoots him down and he walks away. That's when he gets mad and yells at everyone on the bus. But uh, So Chris Farley as the bus driver, classic character. Also, uh, as mentioned in the movie, you know, if uh, prime suspect for who the hell would eat 30 kids' school lunches, it's between him and that damn Sasquatch. 
Uh, but uh, so let's kind of briefly go through the movie. Uh, you know, so Adam Sandler plays Billy Madison, who's the son of a rich businessman who owns a, the brand Madison Hotel. So he's a spoiled kid, doesn't have to do anything. He sits around, drinks all day um, with his friends at the pool, um, and then waits around for, you know, nudie magazine day, you know, where it's. It's pretty self-explanatory what day that is. I mean, that's the day he gets his nudie mags in the mail. Uh, you know, more specifically, uh, does anyone know the names of the magazines that are in the movie off the top of their head uh, before they go and look? Uh, let me know. I mean, email me, guys. Let, let me know if, if you know those uh, if you know those magazines. And if you're a subscriber to, you know, women over 80, uh, drunk chicks, and she uh, <laughs> uh, male fiesta, uh, you know, hey, no shame, guys. If that's what you like, hey, man, it's 2023. You know, I, I'll support you, you know, whatever you want. Uh, but so, you know, he's he gets he gets his magazines and he's driving the little golf shitty golf cart and, and he's drunk, of course. And, you know, you have the groundskeeper who's doing a fantastic job of keeping his flowers and roses and the driveway, you know, clean. Everything looks good. Well, there comes this dipshit who's drunk, coming to get his nasty nudie mags. And uh, who does he see after he puts down uh, one of his nudie mags? Well, it's that damn penguin. And everyone knows it's just too damn hot for a penguin to be walking around here. Uh, so imagine being this guy. You're just trying to do your job, take care of the grounds, and here comes this drunk asshole who sees an imaginary penguin and runs over your damn flowers. Like, as a kid, it's funny. But as an adult, I feel for that guy. I feel like, you know, I've been that guy. So let's kind of fast forward to the dinner scene, you know, that when he's speaking gibberish. This is uh, right after you know, he's been in the uh, in the bathtub, you know, talking about which is better, the shampoo or conditioner. And then, of course, the swan who's looking at him. Uh, <laughs> so he's speaking gibberish, and apparently that's just a normal a normal thing for him because his dad's like, no gibberish tonight, please, I beg of you. <laughs> so after ultimately not listening to his father speaking gibberish, he gets kicked out of the dinner where his dad was announcing that he was actually going to retire and he's not going to hand the company over to Billy, but to uh, Eric, who is a bad, bad man. Uh, but before his dad can break that news to him later in his office, uh, Billy's sitting down, not taking it serious. And uh, his dad's going on about you know how he's treated him his whole life. You know, I bought you everything, you know, N- Nintendo's clothes. And Billy's wearing this, like, it's like a golf sweater, but it's kind of cut up. And this is actually something that me and my wife still do. Uh, he's like, actually, Dad, no, I uh, got this shirt from uh, Frank. And he lifts up the shirt, and lo and behold, <laughs> the bottom of the shirt is Frank. <laughs> so uh, his dad <laughs> calls him a moron and explains to him what's going on. So that sparks Billy to, to say, you know, that he doesn't think that the company should go to Eric. They come up with this agreement that he's going to go back to school and complete every grade I think in two weeks from kindergarten to 12th grade and if he does that he'll get the company uh kind of a genius plan and to come up with that on the spot you know even I don't I don't even think I could come up with that so he goes through he goes through you know kindergarten through 12th grade um I guess before it's over you know it's determined that he had cheated uh so there's this big controversy so 
the deal's called off, but he kind of reconciles by calling a academic decathlon with versus him and Eric, between him and Eric. So that decathlon, you know, it consists of things that you would learn in school, you know, math, science, uh, gym, uh, acting or theater, I guess, music, uh, which the theater scene is, is just, it's perfect. You know, Eric's doing his thing. He's reading Hamlet and, uh, he, he does a pretty good job, you know, to be or not to be. And then Billy bursts in dressed in the most fabulous, I don't know what you would call that, uh, Someone help me out. I, I have no idea. But he's he's wearing he's in costume, full costume, and he comes in carrying a skull, and he comes in, you know, reciting "Oh, to take arms against the sea of troubles," and which ultimately leads the theater teacher standing, giving him a standing ovation, totally bypassing Eric and just clapping in his face. Uh, <laughs> so then they get to the final. Uh, final event where they are going to pick each person has to pick a category for the opponent to discuss and I guess the host who's the principal of the school I believe is going to pick the person who explains best and give them the point and they're going to win but put yourself in the shoes of this principal who is hosting this event this academic decathlon between uh, executive of a very successful hotel and he's competing against the hotel owner's son, who is a drunk dipshit, uh, for lack of a better words. And the whole town has pretty much come out to support. Imagine being that guy thinking, how the hell did I get here? You know, I, he probably has some, like a master's degree or whatever and had this long career. Not to mention that his wife, the tramp, cheated on him, as discussed before the decathlon began. Uh... <laughs> So he's hosted this event, and uh, Eric gets to pick the first category. He picks, uh, uh, what does he pick? I think he picks, uh, I think, oh, it's the uh, it's uh, Reflections of Society and Literature. And the only reason I can remember that is because how pretentious he sounds when he says that. Uh, I think his second choice uh, is what Billy wished he had picked, and that was uh, burning dog poo with effects on human nature. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't pick that. So Billy has to talk about, uh, the society and literature. Uh, so being the dipshit that he is, uh, all he comes up with is relating the industrial revolution to a story that he read when he redid first grade, uh, the puppy who lost his way. Uh, and as we know, we all know the response. We all know the result of his ramble, of his incoherent rambling. He got awarded no points. And may God have mercy on his soul. But in the end, I guess he, he does get the point and wins because he does pick, he does choose business ethics, uh, which causes the unethical Eric to uh, pull out a gun uh, only to be shot in the ass by a former recipient of Billy's bullying when he was in high school, um, who just so happened to have Billy at the top of his list of people to kill. Uh, since Billy did call to apologize, 
he was marked off that list by lipstick. And then that lipstick was then used to uh, draw, I guess, put apply the lipstick to Steve Buscemi's lips. Uh, so all's well, ends well. Billy gets the company. And that's how we get to Adam Sandler's Billy Madison making my top, my number four best Adam Sandler movie. Uh, so let's go to number three. Let's go with Happy Gilmore, which... Fun fact about Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore taking the number four and three spot. Uh, I don't know if any of you else had this, but I remember when I was a kid, there used to, there was this box set uh, came with both DVDs, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Uh, I had that. Uh, I thought it was cool as shit, and I, I kind of it's probably still at my parents' house. I need to ask my parents if uh, if they still have that. Um, hey, if if you have an Adam Sandler fan in your in your life. Try to look up that box set on eBay or something. Get that for them for Christmas or uh, or uh, their birthday. I'm sure they'd love it. Hell, if my parents can't find it, get it for me. Send it to the show. Much appreciated. Uh, but Happy Gilmore. I mean, everyone, anyone who's ever been on the golf course or been at the driving range has probably tried to do the Happy Gilmore golf shot. I mean, if you haven't. I'm not going to believe. If you say you haven't, I think you're just full of shit. I don't believe it. But uh but Happy Gilmore is just it's just a story about how much a guy loves his grandma and how he would do anything to keep her from being homeless, which is just a story about all of us. I mean, who who wouldn't try to join the PGA Tour to try to uh save their grandma f- from losing their house that their grandfather built with their bare hands back in the day? You know, if I if I walked in on somebody, you know, hauling my grandma's stuff away too, I might tell them, you can't just take her stuff. She's she's too old. Look at her. She's too old. If my grandma ever hears this, she's probably like, I don't look that old, Ben <laughs> But let's kind of, for the sake of time, we'll, we'll kind of just talk about some of the scenes and quotes in this movie that make it so funny. I think all the exchanges, including uh, Shooter McGavin, uh, the main antagonist in the, this movie are, are just pretty gold. Um, you know, uh, right before the last tournament, the tour championship, you know, Shooter McGavin and <laughs> Happy Gilmore get into a heated exchange. And, you know, he's like, he tells him, he tells Shooter, I'm going to beat your ass on the course. You're going to beat me in golf, please. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast. Uh, how many, you know, how many people, I know I've come across several people that, uh, that you eat pieces of shit for breakfast or when shooters, shooters ball lands on, uh, lands on, uh, Mr. Larson, who is, uh, Gilmore's old boss and lands on his foot (laughs) and, uh, he ends up. He has to play the ball off the guy's foot. You got to play it as it lies. He successfully hits the shot uh, off of his foot. And Mr. Larson's, uh, he's like, that's two thus far, Shooter, you know. And he tells him, well, you can count. Good for you. And that leads us to the, well, you can count on seeing me in the parking lot. <laughs> Causing the Shooter to run away. Uh, and then they, ha- they have another exchange. And I think it's before this happened. I think, uh, yes, it's, it's before... Before they have that exchange, you know, uh, Shooter, I think he's in the rough. He's trying to get to the green or he's trying to lay up or something. And, you know, Larson tells him, 
asks him if he's trying to reach the green from there. And he's like, no, nah, it's not possible, sir. And I beg, that's when he tells him, I beg to differ. You know, Happy Gilmore accomplished that feat no more than an hour ago. Uh, which, if you're a sports fan, if you've ever watched, if you ever kept up with like any of ESPN's pages, if you look in the comments sometimes, if they report on, you know, someone, you know, a triple-double, completing the cycle, almost always you will find a comment in there that's like, well, Happy Gilmore uh, accomplished that feat no more than an hour ago. So it shows you the influence that this movie has on the sports world, even today, probably even close to, 30, if not 30 years after its release. But ultimately, um, all these heated exchanges do come do come to a peak after Shooter loses the Tour Championship, doesn't misses out on the gold jacket again, uh, steals the jacket from uh, before Happy can put it on, and gets his ass beat by Mr. Larson. And speaking of the gold jacket, so uh, growing up, well, let's, before I say that, let's back up to earlier when uh, in the movie when Happy Gilmore meets Chubbs Patterson and he's telling him, you know, I'm going to train you to be the best golfer, golf player ever. Uh, you can get a, you can win that gold jacket that I never got. And um, he tells him gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Uh, so when I was a kid, my dad used to drive this uh, this Ram 1500 and it was green. So then, probably 2012, I think. Yeah, it was because I was in high, I was a senior in high school. He ended up getting a um, a gold uh, a gold Dodge Ram, and so he kept the he kept the green one, and that's that's the one that was passed down to me. So that's what I got. And so we always called uh, we always called my truck, you know, green jacket, or and then my dad's gold jacket. So. When my when me and my wife were in high school, we were dating. Um, there for a few periods, a few weeks at a time, my dad would be gone for work because uh, he worked in the oil field, and so you know, got to drive his truck. Which, Dad, if you're listening, and this is the first time you realize that I was driving your truck while you were at work, I do apologize. Uh, but uh, so you know, we'd ask, I'd ask her, well, should we take my dad's truck or should we take? Should we take my truck? And, you know, so event we would always say a gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? But so, so happy wins the gold jacket and, you know, he saves, he gets the money to save his grandma from losing her house. Uh, so that's kind of how the movie ends. He starts dating, uh, the, uh, public relations lady and what is her name? Uh, Virginia Bennett, Virginia Bennett. That's her name. Um, and so that's how the movie ends. And if I'm not mistaken, someone is talking about, I can't remember if it's true or not, or if it's just in talks to do a Happy Gilmore 2. As much as I love them, I think you got to leave Happy Gilmore words at. I don't think, I think you setting, you're setting yourself up to maybe potentially ruin the franchise by bringing in a second one. Um, so that's just my opinion. Uh, but so yeah, Happy Gilmore comes in at number three. Number two I'm going to have to go with The Water Boy. Who doesn't love The Water Boy? Classic, classic movie, classic story. Once again, another classic cast. Um, Henry Winkler as Mr. Coach Klein. Kathy Bates as as Mama. You know, Colonel Sanders as the professor. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, but the movie, I mean, does have another professional wrestler in The Big Show, which I think at the time... 
I think at the time he was still called the Giant, and I think this was back when he was in WCW. Anyways, this isn't a wrestling uh, episode. I could make an episode on that though. So in the movie, um, the Big Show's character is uh, Captain Insano, and Bobby Boucher ends up calling calling into the wrestling program and uh, gets to speak with uh, Captain Insano over the phone on TV. And, you know, he's he's asking him, he's like, Captain Insano, I, 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 I noticed when, sometimes, sometimes when, you, when you're performing in the wing, you, you perspirate pretty heavy. I, I was wondering if, if you would need the, need the services of an experienced water boy. Ultimately, though, this ends up backfiring on him as they ask him how old is he is because they think he's a kid. But he tells them, I'm 35 years old, causing <laughs> causing uh, Captain Insano to laugh at him on TV. Uh, so it kind of it's kind of a sad moment when you think about it. Like that's a that's a case of don't ever meet your heroes. You know, imagine if you meet someone or you you. You have someone that you look up to, and then when you finally talk to them, they just shit all over you. <laughs> but I think, let's just get back to what makes The Waterboy the number two movie in my book. I think it's how good of a voice that he does for Bobby Boucher, the stuttering. Um, and then the, some of the supporting cast, like uh, Coach Klein, who's going through this crisis after... Uh, Living in uh, his former colleague, Red Bull U's Shadow, who's now the head coach of another program that basically whoops their ass every year and has been the dog. Basically, they're the, the Alabama of, uh, of this universe. Um, so when he first meets Coach Klein, he goes up to the, uh, he goes up to the school and goes to see him in his office and he's, He's watching film and, you know, he's just this, he's accepting how shitty his team is. You know, this is where, you know, we fumble the ball and you kick it and then they pick it, you know, they score, What blah, blah, blah. He's like, he's so used to it. He's so numb to that his team sucks so bad. Uh, so Bobby, Bobby interrupts him and it causes Coach Klein to go into this uh, mode where he's like, I have an idea for a play. You know, the quarterback's going to fake to the left. No, he's going to fake to the right. No. He's going to fake the fake. He's going to pretend to fake, <laughs> which leads to him flipping out, coming to terms with that he's running a shitty program, and he's like, I don't know where I am. This room is getting smaller. So Bobby does get hired, uh, and when he's serving up water, <laughs> I guess the uh, the football team, the shitty football team has the audacity to fuck with him, and calling him uh, needle dick uh the water boy I got a water spoon so which leads to him getting pissed off and going and tackling the quarterback <laughs> which gets everyone surprised you know everyone's like I think the kicker's all damn and then farmer Fran who I think I think he's an assistant coach but uh I don't know what it is he he if it's his Cajun accent or if he's just low IQ or what, but he can't really speak much English. But when Bobby hits the shit out of the quarterback, he's dead. Dioso. So Bobby gets on the team because of this, but he kind of struggles at first. You know, he's never played football. Uh, he kind of struggles. So they have to teach him. It's okay to uh, open up a can of whoop ass like uh, Captain Insano. Cause you know, Captain Insano doesn't show any mercy. 
you know. Uh, but I love the fact that he can't tell his mom because his mama, you know, you know, mama, everything is the devil. So foosball, school, girls are the devil. And I love, I love the dinner scene when Coach Klein comes to talk to uh, Bobby's mom to try to convince him, convince her to let him play football. Uh, so <laughs> she's prepared this huge fucking snake for dinner. <laughs> and he's trying to be kind. He's like, so what part of the snake uh, would you say I'm about to eat here? And she, you know, well, snakes don't really have pots. But if I were to guess, I would say that would be his knee excellent and what about dessert and right when he says that a squirrel it just gets electrocuted so she hears it she's all squirrel excellent but of course the dinner doesn't really go well mama doesn't agree uh for him to play foosball uh so she goes to bed and she expects bobby to walk coach klein out which is where he kind of exp- where he explains to Bobby, you know, hey, what Mama don't know won't hurt her, and exposes that he got a Royal Orbison tattoo on his ass cheeks against his mama's wishes. Which my mom would be very glad to know that I don't have a Royal Orbison tattoo on my ass cheeks. Um, so, Mama, uh, I don't have that. So you can sleep easy tonight. You know, and then you have uh, his girlfriend in the movie, Vicky Valancourt. Uh, who is just, I mean, she is a day one and the way she, uh, the way she shows support for Bobby is just, I mean, come on now. It's insane. That's your, that's a goal right there, which I'm lucky to actually be married to a Vicky Valancourt. Cause my wife has repeatedly said that she would go full Vicky Valancourt. So when, when he's taken the uh, competence, competency exam, and she's at the window and she knocks and she's got that sign that says you you'll do great and want me to kill them. That's I mean, that's Danny right there. That is her. <laughs> um, but this movie has just <laughs> to me has some great characters in it. Uh, Coach Klein, uh, Farmer Fran, uh, like at, at halftime when they're uh, in the bourbon bowl, when everyone's telling the stories about remember Bobby, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's uh, going off. Or he's going off in his voice, and I'm sure it sounds normal to him. But all everyone hears is. Remember that time I was And then you have the two fans who are always in the stands of the games, and they're just two morons, two idiots. Uh, I think it's the first game of the season. Uh, one of them looks to the other one and says, uh, "He's the he's the best linebacker I've seen play since Joe Montana." The other one's like, Joe Montana was a quarterback, you idiot. I said Joe Montana. (laughs) Uh, Then later, when they're at the championship game, which is the Bourbon Bowl, uh, so they're sitting, I think they're sitting behind Bill Cowart and Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, that's right. And they're scouting at the time. And uh, (laughs) Jimmy Johnson, one of them's eating a, one of the coaches is eating a hot dog. And one of them goes in between him. He's like, are you going to eat that hot dog, Gimme? And grabs it. It's Jimmy Johnson. And he says, oh, now I'm not. You know, and then you have then you have the professor, uh, Colonel Sanders, which honestly, I don't. It's not as obviously not his real name, but that's how he dresses. And uh, I can't remember what course it is. I think it's like uh, I think it's some sort of anatomy class. Uh 
that Billy takes, and you know his friend asks him, you know, why the hell you take this class? It's it's, it's pretty hard. And he's he's like, off with a beautiful view, and you can see the water fountain out there. Well, anyways, you know, here comes this, here comes Colonel Sanders, and y'all shut up now. And he's asking about you know alligators, you know why why are they so aggressive? And at least the classic line, you know, Billy Ray or Billy, uh, Bobby raises his hand. And <laughs> His friend knows that something stupid is going to come out of his mouth. And he's like, no, no, dude, no. And here comes Colonel saying, yes, sir, you, sir. And that's what the classic line of, Mama said alligators are only ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. And so <laughs> Bobby thinks he's right because that's all he's known because his mom's homeschooled him and raised him, protected him from the outside world. And so when he's told no, he's he's doesn't understand and, one of the other teachers or one of the other students, you know, gives the correct answer about how they have uh, an enlarged adula oblong, medulla oblongata, uh, which that's uh, always a science fact that I'm always going to say I know because of Adam Sandler. So thank you. Thank you, Sandman. Um, so then he follows that up with, uh, you know, Colonel Sanders asked the class, can anyone tell me where happiness comes from? Which... Here goes Bobby again. You know, Mama always said that happiness comes down from rays of sunshine that come down when you're feeling blue. And obviously, Mama's wrong again. No, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. Uh, anyways, so I won't, it's easy for me to just start quoting the whole movie. I won't do that for the sake of time. Uh, if you ever want to book me, though, if you want me to quote the entire Adam Sandler movie, you know, hey, I'm available, guys. Uh, anyways, then he tackles his teacher and beats the shit out of him uh <laughs> uh so that's that's another funny character from the movie that just kind of makes the movie just that much better um so the mud dogs end up going and playing the uh university of louisiana cougars in the bourbon bowl they end up pulling it off off of just one of the best throws i've ever seen in college football uh especially from a middle linebacker um and that's pretty much how the movie ends. Um, so, The Water Boy coming in at number two as my second favorite Adam Sandler movie of all time. And that makes number one. If you know me, if you spend any time around me, you'll understand how much number one makes sense to me. Number one is Little Nicky. Little Nicky, it, that, this movie cracks me up. I mean, just a couple years ago, I went as Little Nicky, who's the son of Satan in this movie. I went as Little Nicky for Halloween. Um, you know, poor, poor Freely. You know, he was Mr. Stay Puff from Ghostbusters. And uh, he's going to look back at pictures of his first Halloween. And his dad is wearing orange sweatpants and a blue, uh, blue pullover with his uh, emo hair combed down in his face, carrying around a bitten piece of a chicken leg from Popeye's chicken and a flask. Um, poor kid. I'm sorry for the trauma that you have. You will have from having an immature father. I cannot control that. You kind of just drew the short end of the stick there. But little Nicky, I mean, it's it's the character, the the messed up face, the hu- always being hunched over, and the voice. You know, I'm from the south, the deep south. <laughs> And so the thing about Little Nicky 
this movie also has one of the best soundtracks of all Adam Sandler movies. And if you if you haven't paid attention or if you haven't noticed, Adam Sandler, his movies always they always have two things. They always guarantee him to be with some kind of hot chick, and then they just always have the best soundtrack. I mean, he's he's always got the best music in his damn movies. And Little Nicky is probably the best, the best out of all of them. And it starts off so strong with Running with the Devil by Van Halen. Um, and it, zo- it the camera kind of zooms in on him in his room, and he's playing bass, and he's making that, eh, that just stupid face. And he's playing bass with uh, some sort of damn, I don't know what you would call it. It's a big blade, I don't know. Uh, then, you know, he gets interrupted, and he's like, ah, I'm just jamming. Um, and then they've got some P.O.D. I mean, does, anyone, does everyone remember P.O.D.? I mean, when they first came on the scene... Uh, P.O.D.'s in there, uh, Incubus, uh, I think the Foo Fighters are in this movie, I mean, the soundtrack is just stacked, so anyways, the, the whole plot of the, of the, uh, of the movie is, you know, the devil himself, Nikki's dad, he gets to pick who's gonna rule hell for the next 10,000 years, well, he picks himself, so Nikki has two other brothers, they leave hell, go to earth to try to form a new hell, which causes... No new souls to get nailed. His dad's basically deteriorating and dying. He has to trap them in this flask and bring them back to hell to save his dad. And only Adam Sandler can make a plot so that sounds like that into a hilarious ass movie. So Nicky meets his he meets his guide who is a dog that his dad sent to guide him around New York. Um, because where else would they go? They wouldn't go all over the world, you know. They would both go to they would both go to New York City. They wouldn't go one wouldn't go to California, the other went to some European country. No, they both go to New York, you know. You can't make it too hard on him. I mean, he's no George Clooney, you know, and his mom was a mountain goat. Can't make it too hard on him. And so when Beefy the dog and and, and Nikki leave Grand Central Station, you know, they bump into this, this guy who preaches on the street, and Beefy tells him, you know, this guy sounds possessed, but he's just weird. And uh, anyways, it's actually played by Quentin Tarantino, which a lot of people don't know initially you know hey that's Quentin Tarantino in this movie and uh, he's out there preaching you know he's he's blind and he's telling people you know that I know I'm blind the good lord still loves me he loves all of his children he loves you and he loves you and then he can smell that Nicky's around he's all <laughs> that's when he looks at him and he, he's got this cross in his hand and he kind of points it to him and he's like you make the lord very nervous <laughs> so I actually me and uh, me and Danny say that all the time, especially now that our kid is old enough to uh, jump off of things, and he so he'll do these rambunctious things, and he's got a thing where he runs on the couch, and I don't care how many times we'll look at each other, and go, you make the Lord very nervous. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> he ends up running away down the street and falls down the steps of <laughs> of a subway tunnel. <laughs> you could just hear him boom hit the ground. He's burning me alive. <laughs> Anyways, so Quentin Tarantino in that movie, and that's actually not his only appearance in that movie. He comes in a couple other times, you know. Later, Nikki's flying through the sky with his girlfriend. Um, and <laughs> he's down on the street level again, and he's all, "The devil is among us, and I can smell that evil slut." <laughs> So Nikki unleashes a fire hydrant on him, and he's like, "No one calls my girl an evil slut." <laughs> and then towards the end of the movie, when one of his brothers 
gets power and causes hell to kind of come from underneath the ground in Grand Central Park. He's telling him, uh, he's telling everyone in the crowd, you know, you're all going to die in 15 minutes and you're all going to hell. And uh, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, something happens and Quentin Tarantino's character is like, holy shit, we really are going to die. But uh, so one of the brothers, Adrian, he ends up uh, possessing uh, one of the uh, priests at a local uh, at a church in uh, New York City. And uh, so he's doing a service, but he's actually he's not actually the priest. He's, you know, the son of, of Satan. So he's talking to everyone and, you know, he's he's telling everyone, you know, Jesus, this Moses, that. Uh, Abraham hit me with a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> we stuff did that. We actually still say in the house today, of course. I mean, what fucking else don't we say by Adam Sandler in this damn house? Um, so he's he's going through the service and he's trying to get people to say to realize, you know, what has the Lord ever really done for us? Blah blah blah. And uh, so this guy stands up and he's like, uh, after many years of trying, the Lord helped my wife conceive a baby. And he immediately shoots him down, and he's like, no, no, no. Your best friend Fitzy helped your wife conceive a baby. And he helped her conceive it all night long. And this just goofy bald dude, I guess it's Fitzy sitting next to him. He's putting his head in the air, and he's going, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and then, of course, the other brother, Cassius, chimes in. He's possessed uh, the mayor of New York City. And Cassius is played by Tom Lister, who most of you probably know as Debo from the Friday movies. R.I.P., uh, great actor, always plays, always plays just like a, a badass character, you know, someone in a whoop your ass type character. And I don't think it's fair to, uh, talk about this movie without talking about Kevin Nealon's character. Uh, so he's kind of like the gatekeeper of hell. He kind of monitors souls coming in and telling them, you know, where they're at. Uh, anyways, well, he gets overpowered when the two brothers leave hell and kind of mess everything up. So when he goes back to tell Satan, you know, what happened, he's bowing before him and he's because he knows, you know, he messed up. And so his punishment is, is that <laughs> the devil tells him to stand up. You know, it's OK. It's going to be fine. And he ended up putting two pair, two, uh, two big boobs on his head. So <laughs> the rest of the movie, he's referred to as Tithead <laughs> and he wears he. So then he always puts a bra on and uh he ends up because of his the tits on his head. Uh, he ends up flirting and <laughs> being romantically involved with this big, I don't know, Sasquatch-looking demon type deal. <laughs> and Nikki, he dies. He gets thrown back to hell. But when he's thrown back to hell, he he's put in the middle of uh, <laughs> of Tithead having tassels on top of his on top of his uh, boobs on his head and he's shaking his head around and this, this big monkey thing is just tickling him and, and just having a good old time. It's Oh man, it's <laughs> I can't tell you why it's so funny but it's it, it's hilarious to me. So then when Nikki's on Earth he, uh, he gets killed a few times and uh, a couple times he's uh, He's killed in front of his two his two people, I guess, that become his followers named Peter and John. Yeah, holy shit. 
I was today years old when I just realized that uh, his followers were named Peter and John. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going to hell. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so after he dies and comes back to Earth, you know, they they tell him, you know, how much they're big fans because they're supposed to be these, like, Satan followers, whatever. Anyways, Nikki invites him back to, after he ca- captures uh, Cassius, after playing him in basketball, um, they go back to where Nikki lives in his apartment, and his roommate is, um, he's this just weird, weird cat, weird guy. Uh, anyways, so he's trying, he's trying to figure out, you know, who Nikki is, and he finally, they finally tell him who he is, and so he's like, let me get this straight, you're the son of Satan, and, and who the hell are you two guys? And that's when they tell him, we're just a couple fans of Nikki and the work his dad does. So anyways, John, who, uh, he's over at the uh, record player because Ozzy's, Ozzy's on the, is spinning on the record player. And so he's, he's, he asked Nikki, what's Ozzy trying to say? And he, uh, play, he tries to play the record in reverse and Nikki, you know, absolutely nothing, John, uh, the Ozman always was straightforward with his messages. And he goes on to, he brings out a, <laughs> he brings out a record of Chicago and he's like, now check this out, gentlemen. So he plays it backwards and it's the time, uh, does anyone really know what time it is? And if you've never heard that song, that is just a, I mean, I love that song. I love Chicago. Um, <laughs> but it's not a satanic song at all. At least I hope it's not. Um, so he plays it backwards and in reverse, Chicago is saying, I command you in the name of Lucifer to spread the blood of the innocent. And that's when Peter's like, oh my God, Chicago kicks ass. So anytime that, you know, if me and Danny are in the car and cause I have Chicago, I have a couple of Chicago songs on my phone. If they come on one of us always, you know, oh my God, Chicago kicks ass. Um, oh my gosh, I'm afraid that one day Freely's going to be at school with Chicago kicks ass. <laughs> God, <laughs> maybe he'll be having a teacher that's like, oh, I love that movie. Uh, so in a later part of the movie, Nikki is actually thrown into a situation where he's fighting Adrian. He's trying to get him to drink in the flask so he can trap him in it. And uh, he actually ends up saving his girlfriend in the movie from getting hit by a train. So he throws her off the tracks and then him and Adrian both get hit by the train. So they both die. Well, Adrian goes to hell, but instead of Nikki going to hell with him, since he saved his girlfriend, he goes to heaven and he ends up meeting his mom. Who's an angel and not a mountain goat. Like his mom, like his brothers told him. And, uh, one of the awesome callbacks in this movie is, uh, the dance instructor in heaven is uh, Chubbs from Happy Gilmore, you know, and uh, and he also does the so in Happy Gilmore, you know, one of the keys to the golf swing is it's all in the hips. So he asked Nikki, "You mumbo? No, no, I don't think so. It's it's easy, man. It's all in the hips. It's all in the hips." So then he returns to Earth to uh, to have a final battle with Adrian, and uh, in the middle of this final battle. Or should I just say, at the end of the final battle, you know, ultimately he wins. He traps both brothers in the flask, and all he has to do is die. <laughs> is die. All he has to do is die, and go back to hell. But if he were to die right then and there, you know, he would just go to heaven. 
So they're trying to tell him, you know, uh, you know, Nikki, you got to do something bad. And <laughs> so they look at him and he, he's like, ah, what should I what should I do? And <laughs> Rob Schneider comes out of nowhere and he's like, Nikki, cover Win- Henry Winkler in bees. You can do it. Which has already happened. <laughs> Uh, which has already happened earlier in the movie. Henry Winkler's already been covered in bees. So he covers him in bees, and they kill him, and he goes back to hell. He saves the day. He goes through. Everything goes back to normal. His dad regenerates. Um, but, oh, my gosh, I'm missing one of the most important parts of this movie, what makes this movie so freaking awesome. Uh, so uh, Nikki gets this power from his mom. It's like the orb of light or something. And uh, so to beat his brother... He drops this ball of light, and when he drops it, you know, everyone's wondering, what's it going to be? You know, is it like super strength, whatever? No. He drops it, and who guess who comes out? Fucking Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, Ozzy, it's the Oz man. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm a huge Ozzy fan. And I'm kind of sad that I would never be able to see him in concert uh, with his declining health. Um, he's, you know, he's canceled all of his future tours and future dates, but, um, you know, it is what it is. That's what I get for being born so late. Uh, anyways, so Ozzy ends up biting, <laughs> ends up biting his brother's head off, and puts him in the flask, and everyone cheers, and that's so that's how that's what happens. That's how he beats him. I mean, so he goes back to hell, and uh, basically from there, instead of just staying in hell, he comes comes back to Earth and starts a family. You know, so hey guys. Be careful when you go to Popeye's. That worker just might be the son of Satan, you know. He might have a kid that can breathe uh, fire, um, which if you can't tell, that's that's what happens at the end of the movie. His kid breathes fire on this old lady, which, hey, kudos to the kid. You know, lady, don't don't get that close to my kid, you know, especially not with a dirty-ass quarter or nickel, whatever the hell it is that she rubs in his face, you know. But... So that's my list. That is my list for the best Adam Sandler movies, and that's my opinion. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, what does your list look like? Are you, are you an Adam Sandler fan? Are you not an Adam Sandler fan? Um, if you are, uh, you know, let me know what your list is. You know, your, your list, if it doesn't match up with mine, it is what it is. Um, but I'd love to hear from you guys to find out where you put these movies on your list. Um, I want to thank all of you guys for being here and making it this far. I can't believe I've rambled about Adam Sandler movies for an hour and a half. And honestly, to be honest, I feel like I could have at least gone three hours on this. But for the sake of you guys' ears and attention spans, kept it short to an hour and a half. I tried to keep it an hour, but, you know, it is what it is. Guys, I really appreciate you guys coming and tuning in. You know, all the support that I've received so far during the launch of this podcast has just been monumental and I can't express the love I have for all of you guys so I hope you enjoyed the show uh, you know if you guys haven't haven't yet make sure you follow the show like the Facebook page uh, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts Spotify and on Facebook just searched all screws loose thoughts unhinged uh, I look forward to seeing all of you guys next week on next week's episode be sure to tune in Email me with feedback. Email me with suggestions. Email me with shit talking, guys. I'd love to hear from you. If there's any questions, anything you guys want to ask me, please email me. Uh, the email should be on the Facebook page, but the email address is allscrewsloosepodcast at gmail.com. 
I love you guys, and I can't wait to hear you guys next week.